Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Good morning, church family. You guys look great this morning. Uh, pull up a couch and, and worship with us. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Oh, I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. Oh, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. And I'm not a thing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up on the ashes, hope will rise. The death is defeated, the king is alive. With everything inside of me, oh, I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. Oh, I raise a hallelujah. In the middle of a mystery, yes, I raise a hallelujah. Hold on, man. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. How about me? I said, Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. Yeah, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. In the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder. Louder than my unbelief. Sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody. Yeah, sing a little louder.
How lovely he is, your dwelling place. Oh Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied within your presence. I sing beneath the shadow of your wings. Better is one day in your coast. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your coast than thousands elsewhere. Oh, better is one day in your coats, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your coat, and thousands elsewhere, and thousands elsewhere. One thing I ask, and I would seek, to seek your beauty, I find you in the place your glory dwells one thing I ask and I would see to see your beauty to find you in the place your glory dwells oh, better is one day in your ghost Better is one day in your house, better is one day in your coats and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your coats, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your coats and thousands elsewhere. Oh, my heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God, your spirit's water to my soul. I've tasted and I've seen, come once again to me, I will draw near to you, I will draw near to you, to you. Better is one day in your coast, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your coast and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your coast, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your coast, a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your coast, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your coast, a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day, better is one day, better is one day, a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day, better is one day, better is one day than thousands elsewhere, thousands elsewhere. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. 
Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. And Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. And Jesus is calling. Oh, come to. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior! Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Right. 
thank you for Sunday morning. Thank you for this time that we can come together, even if it's from the comfort of our own homes. Even though we're not physically together in one body, we're physically together, we're spiritually together for that matter. For one purpose, which is to worship you, Father. I'm reminded of a phrase an old friend of mine said, God, that there's two things in the universe. There's God and there's everything else. There's God and there's everything else. And Lord, help us focus not on everything else, but focus on you, Father. You are the divine creator. You are the divine healer. Lord, I pray for all the people that are in authorities in this country and in the authorities all over the world that are on the front lines of what's going on today. That you would give them divine insight in what is supposed to be done, Father. You know what's to be done. Lord, thank you so much for the word that we're about to receive today from Pastor Daryl. I pray that we would uh, focus on the words that he has to say. And we thank you so much that you speak through him and that he listens to you. And I pray that uh, we would just glean just divine insight from that this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Good morning, church. We're so glad that you're joining with us. You know, we're in a strange time right now. We're living in turbulent, confusing, concerning times. I hear the questions, will this ever end? Will we be okay? Let me give you a couple of verses that have ministered to me, been a comfort to me over the last few days. They're going to be familiar to you, but Jeremiah 29:11, God said to Jeremiah, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. There's three words in that verse that stick out to me. Peace, shalom in Hebrew, means to be complete, to be safe, to have wholeness and health, prosperity, to be well. And then the word future. The word future means an expected outcome, the right outcome. And then the third word is hope. That word hope means a confident expectation of that expected outcome. And then in John 10.10, Jesus told us, A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that you may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Well, this coronavirus is a thief. It's here to steal to kill and to destroy. But I want you to know today, Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again so you can have real and eternal life, more and better than you ever dreamed. Well, how can we have confidence in verses like these? Because of a red-letter day 2,000 years ago, that Friday on a hill called Calvary where Jesus was crucified was a day of, of eternal significance. We've heard it so often that sometimes I think we're in danger of taking it for granted. And it's in times like these that we need to look again. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at John 19, starting with verse 28. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, 
put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Jesus didn't say, I'm finished. But he said, It is finished. In fact, Jesus spoke one word in Greek, tetelestai, which means to accomplish, to bring to an end, to complete an obligation or a demand successfully, to pay in full. The word means more than just I've reached the end. It means I did exactly what I set out to do. As I read, it is finished. I just wondered what was the it. And it says it in the first part of verse 28, the mission, the plan. The plan had been accomplished, completed, just like it was set out. Well, what plan? In Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, it says this, Even before He, God, made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His holy family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. It's hard for us to conceive, but in eternity past, before the world was created, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit devised a plan to love you and to choose you in Christ. Before you were born, before you sinned, before you knew anything, God loved you and chose you in Christ. Why? To adopt you into His own family to include you in that circle of life in an eternal relationship with himself. That was the plan. The cross wasn't an afterthought. The cross wasn't plan B after plan A failed. But just think about it. When God said, let us make man in our own image, he already had you in mind. When he called Abraham to follow him, it was with you in mind. And when God saved Moses and delivered the Hebrew children from bondage, he was thinking about you. And when God singled out David to be king, a man after God's own heart, you were still in his thinking. When God prophesied through the prophets the future things that are we are walking through today, it was because it was for you. And when Jesus the word became flesh, and dwelt among men, you were his reason. You were on his mind. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, Father, forgive them, he said. You were on his mind. That's how big our God is. And that's how much he loves you. And I can hear you saying, I know God had a plan, but man messed it up. And we're still messing it up. And you know what? You would be right. Romans three twenty-three and 24 in the message says this. We've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and we've proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us. But look at the next verse. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. 
He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And He did it by means of Jesus Christ. In other words, God planned for man's mess. I like what one preacher said one time. He said, God factored in our stupidity when He chose us, when He died for us. In Ephesians 1 verse 7 It says, He, God, is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. The New King James Version says it this way, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. That word redemption is used throughout the Bible. But it was a term that's, uh, that's probably a little strange to us because it was a term from the slave market where payment was made to release humans that were being held in captivity with the intention of setting them free. And what this implies is, is that sin is not just a matter of man's choice, but that, the, that there's a real power of sin that holds us in his grip. The Passion Translation in John 8:34 talks about Jesus. Jesus said, I speak eternal truth, Jesus said. When you sin, you are not free. You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. The work of Christ on the cross is not merely of forgiving us, but of breaking sin's real power and dominion over our lives. Folks, people are trapped on a treadmill of wrong, of wrong, doing wrong and being wronged, of hurting and being hurt. And how many times, even when we don't want to, we don't want to do wrong, we want to do what's right, we end up doing wrong. It's just showing that there's a captivity to the power of sin and we're often blind to it and we give excuses for it, just saying, that's just the way we are. But that's the reality. The way we are is in captivity apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus redeems us through His blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom He paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Why blood? Leviticus 17, you know, in in the Old Testament there were many sacrifices. And one of those sacrifices, it was to be a spotless lamb to be offered as an atonement for the sins of men. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it's in the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. In other words, for blood to be shed was for a life to be given. God as creator was the owner of all life and the blood that it represented. All life is accountable to God. For Jesus to sacrifice his life as a ransom, a purchase payment, means that he gave his life for our life. That was the plan. 
It didn't start when he was on the cross. It started in eternity past. That was the plan. His life for our life. His blood, though, was different from our blood. Now, I don't mean it was, wasn't red and wasn't five quarts and passed through the body in every 23 seconds. Or t- I'm just saying that his blood was different because he knew no sin. It was innocent blood. He who knew no sin became sin. He could die the way he died because he lived the way he lived without sin. And I want you so to, to, to realize this. It's not that he just never did anything wrong. He wasn't wrong. He lived from the inside out. He lived doing what the Father said, always living from the Father. In other words, Jesus lived the life God intends all of us to live, living from the Father. We can't fathom the value God places on us until we see that Jesus came and gave himself in our place. His soul for our soul. His life for our life. You know, the way you put value on something is the price someone is willing to pay. The value of the thing purchased is determined by the price that's that's being paid for it. Could there be anything more valuable to the Father than the sinless, perfect Son? Yes, you. What God was saying on the cross is He would rather die than not deliver you from the slavery and the bondage and the separation of sin. He would rather give Himself His life that you might have life. Hebrews 9.12 says, With His own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, He, Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. He paid the price to set the captive free. It is finished. Tetelestai. The other thing about that word is that it's in the perfect tense in Greek. It's not that it's just finished, but the perfect tense says that there's the action that's happened has been completed in the past with the results that continue on into the present. In other words, the past tense looks back and says, this happened. The perfect tense says, this happened and it still is in effect. What does that mean for us? We can be redeemed, set free from the captivity of sin, brought back into the circle of God's unchanging love to share His life forever. Back to Ephesians 1, verse 7, it says, Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free from a free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Do you get that? You are part of God's plan. Jesus gave up His life for you that He might give His life 
to you. I started out this time together with Jeremiah 29, 11. I want to end up with it because I want you to see it from the message translation and I want to carry it out through verse 14. Verse 11 says this, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Verse 12, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Isn't that an incredible word? You know, in this time that we're all at home and we're all uh, sheltering in place, We've got all the time in the world to get serious about finding what God's up to. You want to step into God's plan? Maybe you've never even understood it this way. I want you to understand the way has been made, the price has been paid, and if you'll believe it and receive it and give thanks to the one who loves you enough to redeem you, He will bring you into the fullness of life with Himself. That's His promise. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. wonder, would you want to say yes to Jesus this morning? Would you receive what God has planned for you? I just want to invite you to pray with me. I want you to... I'm going to stop after I say a statement. I'm just going to give you opportunity to say it behind me. So let's pray together. Father, thank you that before ever I was ever born, you planned a way for me to know you. You love me enough to give your son for me that you might give your life to me. I want you to live in me. I receive Jesus right now. I trust you to forgive me and to make me your own. I seek you with all of my heart. And you said I won't be disappointed. I ask you to come into my heart and live your life in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now thank Him. If you prayed that prayer, thank Him. Because whether you realize it or not, God did a work that He promised to do. He planned it. He paid the price for it. And He's just been waiting for you to receive it. He said that when you come to Him, you'll find Him. I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for us. What a time that God has given us to get serious about our walk with Him. Church, I want to say something to you. I heard this said, someone say this week, and I, and I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. It's this, this person said, we're 20 inches from mercy. 20 inches. Now, I've heard 18 inches from your head to your heart, but 20 inches is how far it is from our knees to the floor. This is a time that we've been given where we can get back into prayer. We can fall on our knees and humble ourselves before God because we have a promise. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Why not use this time that we have to focus again on what God is saying to each of us? Why not use this time to seek Him? The promise is He'll hear us, He'll forgive us, and He'll heal our land. My prayer for you is that you might experience Him in a way you've never experienced Him before. May God's richest blessings flow into your homes in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 